Okay. Okay, so I'm recording too. Silas. Silas? It's, well, uh, How did in, I call you? It's, in, in, in America, it's Silas, but French Silas. or Spanish, it would be Silas. So either one, Silas so or Silas. So what way would you prefer to be called today? Uh, Silas. Silas. I hope I won't <laughs> do it wrong. And we're streaming now. Okay. And in one second, once I see it, then I can be sure. And we can start. But before we start, I have a little surprise. Just a small there's a place in your heart and i know that it is love and place was brighter than tomorrow and if you really try you'll find there's no need to cry in this place there's no hurt or sorrow there are ways to get there if you can enough Hey, with that, so good morning, New York, and good afternoon, Israel. Yes. With those, uh, I think, most touching and great words of uh, Michael's song. Yes. I'm honored to present my really uh, special guest today, uh, Mr. Silas Kelly who is um, not just a very, very dedicated social worker, but also an award-winning independent radio podcast producer and e-journalist. And you, you'll tell us in a couple of minutes a bit more about yourself. CEO, founder and creative consultant of Kelson. I hope I spell it right. Yes. Which is a communication <laughs> company. And yes. uh, I think uh, that uh, if I might say uh, for you, those words we just heard uh, in the song, and I think we all grew up on those words, yes. uh, but few of us actually took it into practice. And I feel mm -hmm. that you're one of the uh, portion of people, um, a very small portion, unfortunately, but really dedicated uh, to doing practice, in practice, helping others and uh, see the purpose of life and practice in helping other people. So yes. thank you for being with us today. Thank it's you for pleasure. finding the time and waking up so early uh, <laughs> in the time. And it's afternoon here, but uh, we have uh, guests from all, uh, all over the world who can see us and will, of course, uh, show it later as well. So welcome and thank, thank you, you for being here. Thank Mr. You. Silas Kelly, social worker, e-journalist. Yes. Tell us how those two are come together. Oh, yeah, it's a very interesting story. And thank you, first and foremost, for having me on this wonderful show. Um, you know, so, so grateful for this opportunity. Um, the e-journalism social work advocate. So the story is, I'm a product of the social work profession. Uh, and when I decided to go back to school, I was trying to decide what I wanted to get my master's in. And so my wife suggested that I get a master's in social work. So I said, well, why social work? And so she rattled off a series of reasons. She said, well, you volunteer in the community, you work with the youth, 
you know, you do a lot of community outreach. She says, and you, you've been in the mental health field working, and plus you're a product of the system. So when I thought about it, I said, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I you're wrote, doing it anyway. She practically said, well, you're doing it anyway. Why yes. don't you get a degree that <laughs> actually accredits your work that you <laughs> do anyway? <laughs> exactly. So while I was um, pursuing my master's at Adelphi University um, in Garden City, New York, and Hopog as well, uh, I was producing a program about a young lady that had a condition called scoliosis. And at the time, I was making a major production on a major radio station in New York City, Z100. And so I was asking my professor, I was taking a summer class, and I said, can I get, make an announcement and hand out some flies about this broadcast? And he said, absolutely. So I got up there and I told everybody what the show was about and for them to please listen, and there's going to be a lot of resources. And so afterwards, we were standing outside of class, and he, he kind of mused, and he said, wow, he says, social work and the media. He said, you know, that's a combination that hasn't been used as much as it could be. He said, hmm. He said, Silas, I think you found your niche. So when I thought about it, I have a degree already in broadcast journalism and public communication. I'm getting my degree in social work. So I merged the two together. And because I'm so passionate about the social work profession, I retitled myself as an e-journalism social work advocate. And that's how the two came together. So everything is one in one title now. Yes, yes. And uh, of course, you have the podcast, and the recent podcast is really, uh, you know, uh, relevant to this time of uh, that we all live in the mm -hmm. COVID nineteen, uh, you know, situation or history or life or uh, I don't know even how to uh, uh, form the uh, or describe that period that we're almost a year now. Uh, without uh, noticing, it's almost a year now that we live in such a strange situation, confusing time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're doing podcasts uh, uh, which is uh, focused especially on interviewing social workers from all over the world and people that are working in mental health uh, services uh, about their experience during the corona uh, pandemic uh, situation and how they can use or contribute uh, from their practical uh, pro uh, professional experience or practical work to help people that, uh, you know, if before the uh, COVID-19, we saw that the main uh, maybe uh, clients of social workers were people who are in distress or in uh, trouble because of their social economic situation or because of their mental up upbringing or something that has, a, a, you know, maybe half of the population, maybe less dealing with, but now we're talking about the whole general population yes. actually finding themselves in not just in a confusing a time, but also, you know, going down in their financial resources, going down in their, uh, you know, workplaces and stuff like that, and we, uh, which are directly actually uh, connected to social work professionals. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. All over the world, actually. All, all over the place. And one of the things that I think is um, very important to know is that when we talk about the essential workers and frontline workers. When people hear that term, 
you know, they think of right, right, right away the doctors and the nurses, and we give them all the props. And yeah. they think of the EMTs and the first responders and the firefighters and the police department. And I say thank you to all of those professions, wonderful professions. But very rarely does anybody really recognize the role that social workers have played from the onset of the pandemic. Now, the hospitals permitted, pro prohibited rather, anyone from coming in to visit their loved ones. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't know, it was only the social worker who was the connection between the medical staff, the sometimes unfortunately terminally ill patient, and their families. It was a yeah. social worker that was the conduit. And they were the ones that, and I heard this firsthand from a lot of my colleagues, sitting in the room with the dying person, holding their hand, helping them to die with dignity, and then being the one to have to go and pass the news exactly. on to the family member. So that, that role kind of got overlooked. And, and, and what we say is that everybody is essential, but so are social workers. And a lot of times people miss that part about all the things that we do. Yeah. Do you have any idea or theory uh, during the years that you were practicing social work and, you know, researching that uh, from the different angles as journalist, a journalist as well, but mm -hmm. also within the profession, do you have any idea why is the work of social workers is so undermined? And it's, uh, if I hear it's undermined uh, and not recognized in United States, but I know it from home, and I know in Israel that the work of social workers is not recognized, not appreciated, mm -hmm. as it should be, in my view, <coughs> uh, not financially, you know, in terms of uh, how they're being paid, not, and not by public. And I think that those two are go together. Yes, because I think yes. that once the government is not recognizing its essential role, not just during Corona, but, you know, generally, but the public cannot appreciate it as well. And uh, it's really uh, something that uh, is really not so clear. Why is it happening in your well, opinion? Well, some of my research and, you know, and, you know right now, currently I, I'm actually um, uh, been accepted into a fellowship for the Network of Social Work Management. And I'm actually doing a, uh, my policy research is to, you know, look into ways to uh, bring about more equitable salaries within the social work profession, number one. Number two, and even more importantly, the reason that keeps coming up over and over again, and the research is widely known, is that number one, which is a shame, is that the social work profession is seen as a female-dominated profession. And the fact that it's a female-dominated profession there is not gender equity and pay equity for females in this country for sure and, and possibly globally. So because mostly females work, then they don't feel that they warrant the same salary as if they were male dominated. And the other thing is, is that when he, people hear social work and that they immediately think about people who, they, they associate that with people who are less than, people who are not worthy, people who are not trying hard, people who are looking for a handout. And nothing could be further from the truth. So because that's the, 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 the mindset, then if these people are not worthy, then they're not worthy of having people serve yeah. them 
that uh, command a but equitable why salary. is the image why is the image of social worker is that it's he's unworthy and it's a, a, a asking for a, you know donation and stuff like that why how it did did it happen if this uh, one of the most important social society you know jobs or a, you know a performers are actually being imaged as someone who's not worthy enough Mm -hmm. How is this happening in our society, you know, in 2020? Well, one, one, of, one of the things that, you know, that, that we find here is when, when the term social work or social worker um, comes into the conversation, it, it always t tends to make some people in society think of those who are not worthy. And in a lot of instances, it goes back to social justice. The social justice issue is that yeah. social workers work with people who are less than or less deserving. And many times that becomes a focus of what we call BIPOC, um, by um, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color. So if people of color are seen to need social workers more, and that's not the case, that's the way it comes across. And because of that, because of structural uh, and systemic racism in a lot of institutions, then that those are the people that have been already written off. So if someone has a social worker, then automatically, number one, it's, a, it's assumed or presumed that um, they're a person of color. In, my, in many instances, and if they're a person of color, they're not worthy of, of having uh, equitable services. And then they're also not trying, they're not putting themselves in the best position to be successful. And then nothing could be further from the truth. So, yeah. but a lot of what the problem with social work also, there's issues within the profession itself. And a lot of what's happening since the pandemic and the, and the, and the racial unrest is that the social work profession is now taking a closer look at itself to see how it perpetuates yeah, this image. racism within the profession. So it's, it's global and it's national, but it's also embedded into the social work profession. Now, and I'll give you an example. A, 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 a student doing an internship, uh, when, they, when they get their assignment, if they're a person of color, sometimes they're seen more related to the persons they're serving than somebody who's training and learning how to serve those that are in need. So it's a, it's a, a guilt by association, I would call it. Yeah. So, oh, okay, so what we are looking at right now is what is the value of the profession and how does the profession make life better for people? So everybody that has experienced social work, a lot of those people have gone on to do great things. A lot of people who once needed social work or human services now are out there helping other people. So it's really about giving people a chance. And that's all most people don't want a handout, just want a hand up. They want a chance to be able to prove their own worth. And sometimes if they're stuck in, in a psychological uh, downspin or they're, or they're dealing with traumatic issues that never got resolved from childhood, they can feel less than 
and not feel the confidence. It's a social worker per se. Now, human services in general, I'm not downplaying any other human services, but I'm talking about social workers are specifically trained to get to the bottom of the issue going all the way back to childhood traumatic experiences. And that's what they really value is, but people don't see that. They see, oh, somebody's using a social worker. Oh, they're less than, they're not worthy. Um, they're probably a person of color and they're probably not trying hard enough. So we don't really care about them. But theoretically, we don't care about people who are serving them. Yeah, I think that uh, it's also, you know, uh, the profession of social work, at least in Israel, it's is many times associated, as you said, uh, differently than what it really is, because sometimes it's associated with really technical stuff, like filling out forms to get some loan or to get some, you know, uh, help from the country or the, you know, uh, financial help or yes. uh, physical help or something like that, and not as therapists who go and actually deep down to the uh, origin of the trauma mm -hmm. and dealing with the real issues, mm -hmm. you know, and you said it really precisely, uh, they really are going into those issues. What people yes. see from outside is really different. And of course, it's perceived uh, otherwise. But I, you know, even in Israel, let's say uh, it's a, a very paradoxical situation because in Israel, social workers with first degree BA in social work are the only ones who can actually treat people doing therapy mm. than any other professionals. Other professionals needs here in Israel, they need first degree, second degree in clinical psychology or a psychotherapy degree in order to meet a patient. Okay, in order to be able to treat someone, you need, and the social workers are the only ones who actually have the legitimate uh, right by law to treat. But nobody actually, not the society, nor the, uh, you know, the, uh, of course, the government, not uh, recognizing the importance of it and showing it back by, you know, uh, honor or money or in any other way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so social workers are still seen as someone who takes kids out of home. Yes. And if kids, actually the, the negative, you know, in Israel at least, uh, people are afraid of social workers mm. in some way because they're uh, uh, perceived as some, you know, uh, an organization and it's nothing is farther than the truth, but still that's the way it's perceived by many people that once the, so the social worker is not a helping profession, it's a profession who decides whether the kid stays with mother or father or taken out of home. And not as, like, actually, as a profession who uh, comes and, uh, you know, uh, perpetuating them and not uh, being for them. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad because that's, first of all, that's not true. Okay. Right. And uh, they're really looking and the, their work is really hard because, you know, being the ones who are actually have to take the responsibility and decide the, one of the most uh, significant questions in life of the kid if he's going to uh, continue going with his uh, biological parents or not and if not where is he going to stay that's another very important issue yes. and knowing that there is no good answer they still have to be responsible for that decision and yes. for that kid for the rest of his life and nobody's even starting to realize how hard they work yeah, absolutely Absolutely.
Now, one of the things I want to point out, and you brought up a very excellent point. If, if a child is in danger, um, it is the role of the social worker, and thank God for the profession of social work, because as a, as, as a young child, you know, I personally, myself, was in danger, and I got rescued. But the, the, by the, social workers. By social workers. It's important. Now, the social worker goes home and does goes into the home and does a site visit. He or she is trained to to pick up on cues and clues about how the child responds. The social worker is supposed to, and I remember this way back from my experiences, be able to carve out some time while he's having the home visit to talk to the child. Now. It's very important for people to understand that we, we study human behavior, but there's a thing called uh, Erickson's eight stages of development. Social workers study that. And, and they're accused when a child is uh, not being treated right um, in the early stages, it affects how they could, uh, evolve into adulthood. Well, early in the process, social workers are supposed to be able to and are trained to be able to pick up on those cues and make decisions that will help rescue the child and put the child in a better, safer environment. But also, the other part of the social, works, social worker's job in the profession, make sure that the child, if we move from the biological family, make sure that there's a line of communication that stays open. So uh, I was but taking- I think that the one of the most uh, and something sometimes that for uh, people forget that one of the additional roles is not just to take a, a, the child out to a better environment is to ensure that the new environment is better. Yes, exactly. And exactly. that's something that not depends on him and he has to take responsibility over it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's really, really meaningful. Yes. So um, and, 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 in, and in addition to that, making sure the child is placed in a safe environment is first and foremost. But also, regardless of what happens, the social worker and the social work profession, they're supposed to try to ensure as much as humanly possible that the child always still knows his or her biological roots. And to, 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 to illustrate that or to highlight, to highlight that, uh, when my family was split up. I'm the youngest out of eight children. And my biological parents, you know, they had a lot of challenges. And so, you know, they were not able to care for us in the way that they needed to. And that's not an indictment on them. It's just the reality of the situation. But we got removed and it was eight of us. I'm the youngest out of eight. But myself and my next oldest brother, the two youngest, we were too young to go into an institution so we went into two separate foster homes. The oh, wow. other six elder ones went into an orphanage. They grew up in an orphanage. My brother and I, we got reunited and grew up together in one foster home in a nuclear family. But all through those years, it was the social work profession that kept us in touch with our biological parents, our brothers and sisters. And to this day, we all know each other and we all communicate with each other because of the profession of social work. So people don't realize all of that. So social workers take people's kids away. No, they try to rescue children from dangerous situations. And then the bigger issue, and it's a big thing that's going on now, which you know, my mentor, Dr. Catherine Brian Lawson, 
uh, who's well renowned for her work in um, child welfare, no longer is it just taking the kids away and putting them in foster home. It's doing that, but then seeing what can we do to support, why are the parents struggling? What do yeah. we need to do to support the parents to help them to be better providers so we can reunite them with their children? And a lot of people don't realize that, oh, you take your people's children away, but we rescue futures. That's what we do. Yeah, uh, and that's of course true. But uh, I think that the people are uh, sometimes very much disappointed with social work profession by, by without, uh, you know, sometimes I think that the social work profession is a bridge is a bridge between the individual and the society. And sometimes, you know, he's being accused by both, you know, and being undermined by both the individual sometimes mm -hmm. and the society or the, you know, organization he's uh, representing without him being able to take, you know, doing anything about that organization because he cannot change the law. He mm -hmm. can only be, you know, the provider or the representative of it and they make sure that all all of those surrounding him is actually functioning well. And yes. sometimes it's not. Sometimes exactly. even the organization they're representing or the, you know, the community they work with are something that he, uh, the social worker has, cannot do anything about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the basic, uh, you know, conditions. And that's what he can offer. And of course, all the accusation comes to him because he's the representative, yes, but he actually is not because yes, he's not the organization. Exactly. Which brings me to another very um, important um, issue is that social workers, they work with community organizations and they work doing community organization um, and, and advocating for community agencies and individuals. But a lot of social workers choose to get into the political realm because as a social worker with a political science background, now that individual sees what it takes to get inside and work from the inside out to change, make the changes necessary. One of the roles of a social worker is to advocate for social justice. Well, what better way to advocate for social justice than for a social worker to be uh, politically active. And so a lot of social workers wind up running for political office so that they can make, make those change. changes that you're referring to. But still, I think that, as you said earlier, you, they have to be provided a chance, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. They yes. have to uh, be appreciated in order to be able, you mm -hmm. know, to win or take the position that will enable them to change all those uh, justice policies or stuff that needs to be changed. And we know that a, a lot of progress has been done in, in US and in Israel and all over uh, the place, but still a lot has to be done. Yes, a yes. More, way more. And I think that the COVID uh, uh, time is a highlight, more changes that we needed than before. You know, because the COVID uh, uh, brings up a lot of issues that yes. has been, you know, been uh, convenient not to take uh, attention to. Yes, but absolutely. But we don't close our eyes anymore and uh, everything's changed. How does this affect, in your view, this, the work of social worker? Mm -hmm. Now, after COVID or, you know, the, the day after. Okay, so the day after COVID-19, 
whenever that whenever day that comes. Be. Whenever that be. My colleagues and I have already said that the demand for social workers is going to skyrocket even more than it has after, you know, COVID-19 is wherever it needs to be for us to kind of try to get back to normalcy because you've got so many issues that are going on that nobody's really th talking about right now because everybody is thinking about survival, staying well, staying safe, staying healthy, not getting infected, not getting their kids infected. And not, getting, uh, not to lose their jobs. Yeah, not That's to lose their jobs. There's a lot of uh, single parent households which are run by women who now can't work because their kids are home from school. There's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of tension. Now, what we'll see is that social workers will be asked to address all of those issues. So post-COVID, whatever post-COVID is, you're going to see more mental health um, provide services provided by social workers because we know how to sit down and peel back the layers. You're going to see more of the kids. The kids are now suffering a lot because yeah. social anxiety, uh, they were getting used to Even, being able to inter interact with other kids. Now they're home, they're working on a computer. Some kids need more one-to-one. Uh, if one they to have one. computers. And if I they think have that computers. Sometimes, sometimes uh, people be, uh, be, uh, a lot of people, a lot of kids are disconnected completely mm -hmm. because of the uh, financial situation is not mm -hmm. allowing them to have three computers at home to have distance learning for three of the kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. At least here in Israel, it's really a, a, a big issue because mm -hmm. sometimes they don't have three computers and now it's needed and then they turn to social services and the mm -hmm. social worker is has uh, one who has to decide who, who the computer it? will go who yeah. gets it and who's yeah. not you know yeah. it's if we thought that we're gonna be dealing with who gets the you know uh, the live machine for uh, not breeding in covid then now we're dealing actually who gets the computer yeah. and who isn't and who has a uh, you know the access we don't have all the access for education as we used to uh, we came to a, a situation that every kid in israel has an access to uh, equal equivalent access to an education yes. now we cannot say the same because of the distance learning right well, well you know it's funny that you mentioned that about equal access to education because um in, in some of the economically challenged uh, communities that was the issue even before COVID, you know, the way sometimes the way the tax structures are set up, you know, certain school districts get more resources than other school districts. Yeah. Um, and, and so one of the things that I think is really important for all of us to keep in mind is like the song that you started off the, uh, the interview with, uh, Change the World, Make It a Better Place. It's, it's, it's up to those who are, who are more fortunate to find it within themselves to be compassionate enough to reach out. And I know I've seen a lot of great um, goodwill been happening with a lot of the uh, corporations are trying to um, address the issue of lack of computers and lack of connectivity. Uh, you know, now you got also urban, but also in rural areas, rural areas here in the United States, some of them don't even have access to the internet in this day and age. And that makes a double problem. So. I say that all the legislation in the world is great, and we need laws on the books to say that people should do the right thing by other people. But it takes people looking inside themselves and 
finding it within themselves to be compassionate. That, to me, that's the answer to the whole world issue. Is people have to care. They have to care about what's happening to their fellow person. And when it comes to children, no expense should be spared to make sure that children have a good um, start in life. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So social workers, we work with limited resources. Um, when we talk about social service agencies, human service agencies, whenever there's budget cuts, they always cut the services for those that are most in need first. And that, that has to change, in my opinion. And that's why it's good that you know, we have a lot of uh, political social workers that are at the table to be a voice for the voiceless. And that's a big part of what social work is about as well. Yeah, I think so. Because we, at the start of the COVID, we also had a big, big issue with social workers going on strike. At the same time that the COVID started, they were striking for the conditions they work with. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough security when people like, you know, being aggressive to them. Mm -hmm. They don't paid enough and they went and they walk on streets and stopped working, even though it was a crucial time. And of course, they gave the uh, services that are, are, were emergent, but still the, it was at the same time, you know, the, the uh, Black uh, Lives Matter uh, began mm -hmm. in U.S. Uh, here, the social workers came out the street it was the first time that was a really huge strike as wow. as, it, as I remember uh, to try to get their basic rights for you know a, a honorable work and practice in order to provide people the services and when they stopped working then sometimes people were looking for them and they say well they're not there because we cannot deal we don't have the resources to deal with all we have to deal with and now the uh, problem even worsened uh, and uh, I think that really we have to find you know you said you we have to find the compassion each in a uh, individual within is but it also has to be a social change that uh, promotes the importance and the significance of this profession mm -hmm. yeah, by, so acknowledging, by acknowledging how important it really is and how fast you know, I think the COVID highlighted that how fast one can come from being, you know, a critical about social work to one who's needing it. Yeah, I think so, that a lot of people cross the, the border, you know, and when they need the services and at the same time, they don't have the trust. And it's really mm -hmm. sad because once you need the service of some professional, you have to have the trust that he is in a position to help you. Yes. But Socially uh, thinking, there is no trust in that profession without reason, without, you know, a true reason mm -hmm. for it. So the strike that you were mentioning, so, so that was a, like a, a, nation, a nationwide strike there in Israel yeah. where all the social workers got together and said, that's it? That, that's enough. We need more. And they asked for legitimate things. They didn't ask for something that it's not reachable. They ask for basic conditions to practice, you know, to feel safe to, to do their work. Yes, yes. And here in the, country, in the United States, uh, there was a big issue in the beginning of COVID because um, when they started giving out PPE, uh, personal protective equipment, social workers were the last ones to get it. And sometimes they didn't get it at all. Um, and they were very, very uncomfortable with the fact that they had to choose between keeping themselves and their families safe or yeah, caring for the patients stuff. that they really, really cared for and formed those bonds with. So it's really a tough situation. Like you said, the, the policies 
you know, have to change uh, in addition to compassion and people's heart. But at the end of the day, the people that make the policies, they're yeah, still they're the yeah. ones that they, they have to kind of look and see, you know, what's the long-term effect of this? Is this going to make society better or worse? And so what social workers are really always tasked to do is to keep the issues in the forefront of society about the least of us and how we need to be able to be there and serve them so that they can get a firm footing so that they can go on. And I, I can tell you this, Annette, nobody that I've ever worked with that needed a social worker chose to be in that position. Nobody. Of course. It's always something that happened. And of once course. you show them that you cared and you had compassion, they started to believe in themselves because somebody else started to believe in them. And there's a saying here in this country, maybe you've heard it, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. Everybody that I've ever worked with, once they saw that I really was committed or once they see a social worker really committed, they then start to feel better about themselves because somebody else is showing that they believe that they have the ability to do better. Yes. And that's really all what it, what it takes for them to try to take it to the next level. Exactly. I completely agree with you. What do you like the most in your job? Being a social worker. Wow. <laughs> There's so many, so, many, so many things. I think I, I like what, pretty much what I just described. I like working with a client, whether it's a, a youth or a, um, a senior citizen, a veteran, uh, adolescent. I like when I see the light come on. When I see that light come on in them that says, hey, I can do this. Or, hey, I'm not as... Um, downtrodden or I'm not as worthless as I've been made to feel or I do have positive qualities and characteristics you know you, that's far, few and far in between but when you see that it makes what you do that much more worthwhile because you've rolled up your sleeves you've gotten in the trenches and you've really really tried to reach the person at a degree where they now believe in themselves and once they do that they don't need you anymore because now they believe that they can do what you've been helping them to do. That's what I, I get the most joy out of finding somebody that says, okay, um, Silas, or okay, Mr. Kelly, I'm good now. Thank you. I appreciate it. That, that's what I like the most. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because the same is in my profession, and which is very close because I work with systemic uh, psychotherapy. So I go to school and I go and uh, try to uh, uh, connect between all the, uh, you know, parts of the family, the, the school, the, sometimes the other mm -hmm. therapists in order to be, uh, to help the child to grow in better condition and uh, uh, although I'm a psychotherapist I still look at the system he grows up in and not as an individual by itself that has nothing to do with the system because I think that the system is uh, impacts the most uh, whether it's the, uh, the close family system or the larger society system and uh, I, I could not agree with you more but also you know I'm thinking about that uh, the e-journalism yes. position you're taking mm -hmm. and what is the real goal, like, like the most important goal mm -hmm. of that combination now? My, well, th this whole e-journalism thing goes back um, quite a bit. So when I was um, 
years ago, I went to school and I, and I studied broadcast telecommunications. And initially, I wanted to be a disc jockey on the radio. So I was mm. going to get my two-year degree. I was already in the entertainment field. I, I spent many years in the entertainment field as a professional mobile entertainment disc jockey, did weddings and sweet 16s and bar and box mistresses, a lot of corporate functions. So I wanted to be a DJ on the radio. So I went back to school to get my associate's degree in radio and TV production. Well, while I was doing that two-year associate's degree, I got an opportunity to do a, uh, an honors project, independent study. And it was at, at that point, I decided that, hey, you know what? I want to do a special tribute to my late foster mother, who was very influential in me turning out to be the person that I am today. I talk about, I give a lot of praise all the time. So I decided I was going to do a documentary on foster care. So I, I did this uh, semester-long project all through the summer. I edited and interviewed people. And while I was doing that, it came to me. I said, you know what? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And this would be a great way to pay honor and tribute to my late foster mother. So then I decided to go to Brooklyn College and study broadcast journalism. When, when, when you major in broadcast journalism, you have to take 30 credits in an advanced course. And I initially wanted to do sociology so I could do public affairs, features, and documentaries. That's where the seed was planted. So at Brooklyn College, I started a public affairs program, and I started interviewing people in the community that were doing things to help other people, people who are overcoming challenges, and that's how this whole thing got started. So now, fast forward to now, with Kelson Communications and the Kelson On Air Social Work Podcast, the whole purpose behind that is to highlight organizations, agencies, and individuals that are doing things to help other people, that are providing resources, and especially also to give a platform to people who have overcome insurmountable challenges, such as myself, and going on to do things and now are going back to give back to other people. So that's the whole genesis of why I do what I do. Because I want to be able to always highlight all those others that are doing the outstanding, wonderful things in society. And that brings me to the microcosm of social work, because that's what we do. So I tell the stories of social workers as a way to continue to promote the profession so we get the respect and the recognition that um, we so rightly deserve. Exactly. And I think that maybe you are actually encompassing the whole idea. You know, you were talking earlier about, you know, the person, the individual who is in an undermined situation or has been through a lot and stuff that he has no control out of it. And, you know, circumstances that brought him to a, a difficult situation. He needs one person to show him he can in order to him to uh, grow up and develop as a self-competent person, individual who can do things. And I think that your story is not just theoretical because you were that kid who somebody saw the best of him and make him believe in himself in order to become the person you are today and continuing uh, passing it forward. Yes, so yes. When you tell that uh, as a social worker, you, you know, you saying that is way more important than, you know, the theoretical aspect of, you, you know, you have, you need someone to see someone in order to him, because you are an example 
you know, of that happening, not yes. just talking about it. And I yes. think that's crucial and very important and you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that when you have a personal experience and not just, you know, theoretical studies, uh, then you can actually convince, you know, others that it's possible. Because yes. sometimes, uh, especially, you know, the youth and the teenagers are uh, specialists of saying, oh, those are just words, but not in your case. Exactly, exactly. Now, you know, one of the things that, that, that I'd like to share with our viewers and listeners around the world is, you know, why the profession is so important to me goes back to this, this one story. And I, I've, I've spoken a lot at universities and organizations and agencies, um, you know, as a keynote speaker. And I, and, I, and, I, and I share this story that um, the, the profession, like I said, rescued me from a really treacherous situation. However, it was really, really a, a very traumatic situation because the day that I, 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 I left Brooklyn and came out the suburbs of Long Island, that was one of the most painful days of my life because the lady that I was staying with, who, who was physically abusive, which is why they rescued me out of there. That day that I left Brooklyn, she just got me dressed. She took me downstairs, sat me on the stoop. She spun on her heels. She went back in the house and she slammed the door. I was three years old, sitting out on the stoop in Brooklyn at three years old. And I was sitting there thinking, at three years old, wow, I must not be worth anything because she sat me out here like a piece of trash. And then the next thought that entered my head at three years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday, sitting out on that stoop in Brooklyn, not knowing what was supposed to happen next. And I said, this is the way the world is. It's cruel, it's cold, and it's heartless. Nobody cares about you. Don't ever count on anybody to be there for you because just like no one's here for you now and you got left out here, that's the way it's always gonna be. So don't ever count on anybody. You got to do it all on your own. At three years old, it's a shame for a three-year-old to be sitting out on a stupid Brooklyn with those thoughts. But that's what social work rescued me from. That's what my foster mother, my foster father too, but my foster mother, she helped heal those wounds over years of love and dedication. And that's why I realized power that social work can have. Because had it not been for that, I wouldn't be here sitting here talking to you today. So that's why I give homage to, um, I thank God, I give homage to the social work profession and my late foster mother. And that's the power of social work that I always relate back to. And on top of that, they came and they, they checked on me. And when they saw that I was good with music, they bought me stuff so I could, be, could become a drummer in the school. They, they saw you and they care. They cared. They, 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 uh, they gave us an opportunity to be in the Boy Scouts. They sent us away to summer camp. We went to, you know, various trips. So I saw firsthand. And then when I was getting ready to go to school for the first time, one of my social workers actually came and picked me up, drove me all the way upstate to the college that I was going to spend the weekend, gave me money for the weekend and a bus ticket back home. His name was Dalton Murchison. I'll never forget him for that because he didn't have to do that. He did that on his own. And that's the power of social work that motivates me every day. 
Yeah, and I think that that moment when you say to yourself, nobody's gonna care and nobody cares and this world is cruel, at that moment when the social worker picks you up, they change you the view on life. Yes. That's not just a moment of, you know, rescuing by physically rescuing or mentally rescuing. That's, that's a life-changing experience because otherwise, if it'd been too long mm-hmm. for a three-year-old, that belief could not be changed anymore. Yes, no yes. matter how much love you would receive after, it has to be at a certain time, not too late in order to provide that opportunity. And I think that this is the, the most meaningful work of social worker to do it in time, mm-hmm. taking into account the development of the psyche, the, the child's development, and in order not to be in a position, you know, that the child is in no way back situation mentally. Because at some point, when you, even if you rescued, it's too late because yes. you're... A, your belief, uh, mental belief is cannot be changed anymore, no matter how much love you're going to receive after. And then it's really, a, you know, a frustrating for the foster uh, parents that they provide you all the love in the world, but the child has been hurt too much to mm-hmm. receive it. Yes. And I think that the timing that you were rescued, mm-hmm. this is the work of the social workers. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. why you're also uh, very appreciative of them and not just your foster Exactly. And the other thing that always stood out to me was my foster mother, she went out of her way to make sure that my brother Paul and I, we never harbored any ill will against our our biological parents, especially our mother. She used to tell us all the time, your mother loves you. She couldn't take care of you. She did the best that she could but she loves you. Don't ever hold this against her, but she loves you. And matter of fact, my biological mother, my foster mother became very good friends. They used to talk on the phone all the time. But one of the greatest gifts that my foster mother gave to me was to, for me to not develop any hard feelings towards my biological mother. And years later, after my foster mother passed away and I took care of her, in her last days, I wound up doing the same thing with my biological mother, and we were able to make amends. So all of that, you know, I, I, I relate all of that back to this wonderful profession called social work. Exactly, because I think that only that profession can provide you and your mothers with the tools, you know, and the skills to be able to do it with you. I yes. think that also uh, the role of the social worker and that's that's really uh, you know uh, touching and it's uh, it's rare what you're talking about is really rare but not so rare if we take and put voice for other social workers and for other uh, people to appreciate them also yes. maybe uh, by taking guests and you know I'm thinking about my show and taking mm-hmm. guests talk about how they've been helped and not just been, you know, ripped in order to change that, uh, you know, reputation that the profession uh, got without justice whatsoever. I think what's done to social workers is the same injustice that's done to, you know, the society they treat, as you said earlier. And uh, I think that it's a great opportunity to uh, meet you, a person like you, doing so much work in order to give back and by that putting the appreciation up front. And I think because you're not just saying thank you, you're doing 
what you have to do and everything you can do, you know, uh, with other people in order to make it otherwise. Yes, in order yes. to make the, uh, you know, the notion of the profession and the uh, credibility for that to uh, gain uh, the, uh, the space and the uh, place uh, where they belong and uh, to appreciate the hard work they do. I'm so thankful for that talk we had just now, for that discussion. I think it's just a start uh, of, you know, a tiny start of the uh, big issue that needs to be addressed in yes. many more ways and i've been uh, i feel like lucky to have the opportunity uh, well, first you. of all to meet someone like you uh, so open and you know with real real intention to help and not just intention but also in practice uh, and uh, honorable to uh, give the space uh, to other people to hear and uh, meet you and the profession through you and i think that people that meet the profession through you have already now a different opinion about it and i think that it's crucially important for the society not just you know viewers uh, or uh, some individuals here and there i think it's a it's a crucial contribution uh, to our world especially in those days <laughs> more than ever so thank you very much for being here thank you for doing what you're doing uh, for many others and you're real sincerely practicing what you're talking about and in every different way, way by broadcasting by doing the social work by talking about social work by uh, you know uh, addressing the profession and uh, giving opportunity for other people not to be afraid to come out and talk about it and not to be ashamed but be proud of growing up out of a, a difficult situation with help of others, of social workers and other uh, good people who have the, found the place in your heart that you're wishing we all find of yes. compassion and help and love. Thank you very, very much. And I uh, have to finish with the same uh, words that we started with in order to make this uh, cycle close. Uh, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for waking up so early to, to, to give the profession. Well, it is I that owe you the thanks, Ms. Ben Salman, because this is a wonderful opportunity to get the word out internationally. And I'm, con and I'm so grateful to have made this connection with you. And I look forward to continuing our dialogue in many different uh, venues. Yeah, I'll be happy to thank you very much. Thank you for continue helping. Thank you so much. Have a Thank great you. day. You too.